If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. God wants to finish the story. And the very thing that we would love, he enfolds in himself all that would bring joy and life and peace to us. Welcome to Keep the Main Thing, a podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson. Today we present a sermon that Pastor Lee gave on January 24th, 1988. You will hear in his talk that he was in the middle of teaching a class on 2 Corinthians at North Heights Church in Arden Hills, Minnesota. Pastor Morris Fognes at North Heights Church was a big supporter, mentor, and good friend to my father. Pastor Fognes just passed away this past May 2023. I recall that Pastor Morris and Pastor Lee would periodically exchange pulpits in churches with Pastor Morris teaching at Vision of Glory and Pastor Lee teaching at North Heights. Pastor Lee and Pastor Morris were somewhat pioneers in the Lutheran Church in what was commonly referred to as the Charismatic Movement, which gained notoriety and momentum in the 1970s. It created a lot of controversy in the church establishment in those days. In this sermon, Pastor Lee once again talks about that time during the charismatic debate when he was seriously thinking about leaving the ministry. Perhaps some of you were at Vision of Glory during that tumultuous time, which ultimately caused a split at VOG. I was not around enough during those years to provide much detail of that struggle and this unfortunate situation for my mother and father. If anyone who was listening to this podcast was attending Vision of Glory back then, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to learn more about this story. Those years were a turning point for my mother and father and for Vision of Glory. It was life-changing, career-changing for Pastor Lee. He alludes to it often enough in sermons that it would be valuable to know this story more fully. Thank you. In his sermon, Stand Firm, Pastor Lee uses 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, verses 8 through 11, and verse 18, emphasizing how Paul, to quote Pastor Lee, experienced trouble not as a punishment for something he had done, but for the preparation for something he was going to do, unquote. This talk has many memorable quotes, in fact. You will be inspired by Pastor Lee encouraging us to use our adversity and our personal struggles as a critical way to be a witness for Jesus. This had to be a very inspirational and uplifting message for those who are at Vision of Glory in January 1988 and a great way to kick off the new year. Another great quote I like from this sermon is Pastor Lee's comment, the wider your sufferings, the wider your ministry. But before I give away the entire message, let's listen to Stand Firm, a message from Pastor Leland Evenson, first given on Sunday, January 24th, 1988. I mentioned two weeks ago, I am uh, teaching uh, the book of 2 Corinthians at the Lake Training School at North Heights. And so I'm not going to use the regular lessons for a number of weeks, but I'm going to use that also here on Sunday mornings. invite you to bring your Bibles 
and to follow along on those Sundays when I'm preaching. And uh, so you can look at, uh, at the verses that I'll be commenting on. You can't begin to... Uh, I can't do it in 50 minutes over there. I certainly can't do it in 20 or 25 here. But at least to have the Spirit pick out those things that I think are important. I want to review just quickly the uh, first uh, few verses that I used. Uh, some of you were not here two weeks ago, and others of us need to be reminded because to me, these are really some of the key verses, very first chapter, verses 3 through 7. And these are the words, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we're distressed for your comfort and salvation, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces a new patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. <clears throat> and our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. There was a military man that said the weather is always favorable if you know how to use it. You can look for the best results from the worst conditions. And that's really what these verses are saying, that, that if we really walk in that intimacy with the Lord, that we can use all the things that happen to us in a sense of ministry and helping others and encouraging others and walking with others through the difficulties of their life. That God has placed you in unique circumstances and conditions. He's caused you to go through things that you haven't wanted to go through. But in doing that, he has other people he knows that down the road or even now are going through similar things and they need someone to come alongside and to comfort them with the comfort that comes from the Lord and His power and His strength. The more He puts you through, the more people He can bring into your life. The wider your sense of suffering and afflictions and difficulties, the more you have to rely on the Lord, the wider your ministry will be, the more people can identify with you and come into your life. A.W. Tozer says, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. God needs to do that breaking work in our lives. For without it, how can we comfort others unless we know the comfort ourselves? <clears throat> Edith Schaefer, uh, the wife of uh, Dr. Francis Schaefer, uh, who lived in Switzerland for many years, great evangelical leader and prophet, and he died in Rochester just a couple of years ago. And after a couple of weeks ago, uh, someone uh, pointed out this article where Edith Schaefer, his wife, shares some of the things that I was trying to share and shares them in, in a better way and you always are appreciative of someone who has kind of the same uh, vision and certainly can share it in a better way and in the Twin City Christian they interviewed her and this is what she shared about terms of our ministry and and going through the things that we go through of seeing that weather is always favorable if you know how to use it circumstances can always be positive no matter how bad it is as I'm finding out in my life Every section of life, whether it's being in the hospital, being a paraplegic, a spouse having died, children having grown, there's something you can do in this chapter of life or this set of circumstances which you could not ever have done in any other. You have restrictions, but also your nurse, your doctor, you may be ill, but they may not have any worldview that gives them any reason to live. I just talked to a girl who was going blind. The, doctors who did two op the doctor who did two operations was supposed to do a third, committed suicide before he could do the third. 
She was the one who wasn't supposed to have any reason to live. And the doctor committed suicide. It doesn't matter whether you're old or young, sick or well, there's something in this set of circumstances you can do that you could not do in any other. There are people that you are thrown in with. I came into the hospital with my husband having come from Switzerland on a stretcher. They didn't know if he'd lived through the night. Actually, he lived three months. But that night, we didn't know he would be out of the hospital. Yet, as my daughters and I were in the hospital caring for my husband, we talked individually with people who came in with leukemia. A farmer who was cutting hay and felt tired and came and found he had two weeks to live. A woman from South America who was having therapy and losing her hair because of leukemia. In that isolated section of the hospital, we had many opportunities to talk to people and give them books without being obnoxious, pray with them, affirm them, hug them. How could we have that opportunity? Because we were in the same boat. We didn't come in as missionaries. We wouldn't have been allowed. We were there with our father and husband because he was ill. And we were talking to, putting our arms about, weeping with, praying with people who were also in the same geographic spot of that hospital hall. And they needed someone. I live across the street now from that same hospital in Rochester. But I don't have the opportunity to do that now. You're not allowed to come in from the outside and bother patients' families and try to get to know them. You wouldn't get to know them anyhow. You get to know them by saying, my husband is in this room and he's going to have an operation. The same holds true for every situation in life. You can talk to people on a luxury liner or a person sitting beside you on an airplane, not as an obnoxious, crack-giving person everyone wants to avoid, but just in a natural conversation and opening up. Whether people are in an old folks' home or zipping around jogging, there are people you're going to meet in this set of circumstances that you're not going to be thrown in with again. It isn't always the beginning that will continue. It's a block of time in a certain chapter of your life." Unquote. God doesn't waste anything. Paul experienced trouble not as a punishment for something he had done, but as a preparation for something he was going to do. God used it, whether he was in jail or free, whether he was being persecuted or allowed to preach. All of the things that happened to Paul were preparation for greater ministry, wider ministry, deeper ministry. We cannot know the meaning of every event, but we can know that every event is meaningful no matter how hard and how much we despair. We can find his will in everything, though everything isn't his will. Stand firm, he says. You can comfort those who no one else can comfort. You are unique. And there are people who only you, as you walk with the Lord Jesus, can comfort and affirm and help and encourage to know the grace and mercy and love and power of God. J.R. Miller says, whole unbroken men are of little use to God. Out of the presses of pain cometh the soul's best wine, and the eyes that have shed no rain can shed but little shine. Malcolm Muggeridge was an agnostic <clears throat> And as he began to investigate the Christian faith, he became a Christian. And Malcolm Muggeridge says, contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not through happiness, whether pursued or attained. 
In other words, if it were ever possible to eliminate affliction from our earthly existence by means of some drug or other medical mumbo-jumbo, the result would not be to make life delectable, but to make it too boring and trivial to be endurable. This, of course, is what the cross signifies, and it's the cross more than anything else that has called me to follow Jesus without reservation, unquote. Isn't it strange how we see trouble and difficulty as those things that take us away from life? And Malcolm Muggeridge says that we learn about life and we learn about God. We learn about all that he has created when we go through the difficulties and the struggles and the frustrations and the sufferings, whatever way they may come to us. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. <clears throat> he goes on in the 8th through the 11th verses. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the provinces of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks in our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. <clears throat> Everything that happens to us is to drive us out of ourselves to God. To make us understand that apart from me you can do nothing, as Jesus says in John, the 15th chapter. He loves to get us in the corner. He loves to get us in the position that he had Moses and the people, the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them, and there was nothing they could do, absolutely nothing but stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Watchman Nee says God's great purpose in his dealing with us is to reduce us, to take away a sense of self-confidence and self-righteousness and self-pride, to just lay us out and to break us as he says only broken instruments can play in God's symphony. He brought Paul to that point when he said, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me and rescue me from this body of death? There was no exit. Till finally he said, Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people have a chemical dependency. We have a number of our members who have come into AA. They got healing when they saw there was no exit. When they agreed with the first step of AA that says, my life is unmanageable, I am powerless over this addiction, whatever it may be. And so they were in that kind of despair when God can reach down and touch them and deliver them, as Paul said, he despaired of life. We don't know if it was probably his physical life, we don't know whether it was sickness or persecution, but he had just kind of given up and said, it's all over, there's nothing more that can be done. And God reaches down and turns on an exit sign and finds a way through. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. A few years ago, I thought my ministry was over. I thought I had had it. I started to look in the one ads for different jobs. I told my parents as I took them out for lunch one weekend when they were up here that I was all, it was all over. That's all that he had wrote. And suddenly in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of when I thought everything had died, God brought the resurrection so that I would understand and never forget 
who it was who had called me and who would call me to be delivered and who would call me to continue in this ministry. Right now we are in the same place in terms of building. There's no human way that we can build this $800,000 addition with our tremendous budget of over $550,000. But that's exactly where God wants us to see that if we're going to get $200,000 in the first few, in a few weeks to begin, that somehow he has to do it. He has to provide an exit. He has got us like he's got Moses so that if it happens, we say, God did it. He resurrected. He provided the way. And so always in our lives, God is trying to bring us into that situation. Right now, you may say, there's no way I can get out of my financial straits. That's exactly where God wants you. You may be saying, there's no way that our marriage can be resurrected. That's exactly where God wants you. You may say, there's no way my son and daughter will ever come to know the Lord Jesus and a living faith. That's exactly where God wants you as he wanted Paul to utterly give up in despair. Because then he moves, as I have found out. When I said, Lord, I cannot handle this. How can I live without my wife? And suddenly, when I despaired that I could, he turns a light on and opens the door. That we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. When we give up, like the drowning man, when we finally give up, he comes as he came to Paul. Stand firm. Stand firm in the midst of despair when you are utterly crushed. Stand firm and continue to expect. He breaks us. Breaks our sense of own, our own strength and our own power and our own goodness that he can come. Who would have thought Don Hamilton, who works for Les Nielsen, who is an employee at, at his company, Les belongs to our church. Even in our intercessory prayer group, I was kind of giving up and simply praying for, uh, for the family. The doctors have given up. They give up. Who are we? You can hit headlines in the paper. The mystery of how he could continue to live when he lost just about every drop of blood and even to regain a sense of normalcy. A little boy goes under the ice for 45 minutes, and you find out later as the father gives his testimony on TV, there were those people who were praying in the midst of that despair and everyone giving up, and now he's back in school. That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises from the dead. He puts an army behind us and a Red Sea in front of us. Think of that little the cartoon of one of the cartoons of Peanuts, Charlie Brown. He's <clears throat> talking to Lucy and he says, I think I'll run away. Lucy says, Are you the kind who runs away from problems, Charlie Brown? So he stops and thinks a moment. He says, No, no way. I'll stay and I'll fight. I'll use all the strength and talent that I possess. Lucy says, You better run away. <laughs> <laughs> we can use all the talent and strength and expertise we have but it won't do it. And God will see to it that it will not do it. He loves us that much. And I have seen it happen. And I have told people, loved ones who want to come in and bail them out, I said, you let the Lord 
bring his will to pass and let the Lord put that person in that circumstances and in that pressure cooker so that he cries out. And someone gave a testimony last week to that. And in that moment, God hears that cry. For he has delivered my soul from death and my eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling. When I am weak, then I am strong. When we say, I can't, he says, wonderful, I've been trying to teach you that, that I can. We were utterly despaired under such great pressure, we despaired even of life. But it happened we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. The story is told some years ago, <clears throat> when a Christian was condemned to die at the stake, they would burn him at the stake uh, back in the Middle Ages, and so the night before he thought he'd better test his strength to see whether uh, he would be able to endure that fire as they would set it around him. And uh, So he, there was a candle in the room and so he stuck his finger, tried to stick his finger in a candle and he just had to draw back. He just, there was no way. And so he was crushed. How would he ever, if he couldn't stand one finger in a candle, how could he stand his whole body to be consumed? But the next day as he walked to that stake, God gave him the grace so it was a joyful, triumphant witness to the power and grace and sufficiency of God. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stand firm. Stand firm in your despair, when you're despairing of life itself. Whatever it is today that you've given up, that's exactly where God wants to show you his grace and his power, his love and his mercy. And then finally, the last few verses that I just want to quickly comment. <clears throat> Verse 18, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who made both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, put a spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. They thought Paul was fickle, that he had promised to come to them, then he changed his mind. And so they're saying, Paul, you seem so fickle, and if you're fickle, probably the God you tell us about, his promises are also fickle, and he changes his mind. And so Paul comes back <clears throat> with these beautiful verses that the promises of God always find their yes in Christ Jesus. Stand firm in every promise, because behind it is an open tomb and a risen Christ. Someone had written an article in Newsweek, uh, few years ago alluding to the fact that the Bible was the Word of God and one reader wrote in very angry and said as long as we believe the Bible is a God-made book of facts instead of a man-made book of beliefs we shall remain mental and emotional retards. Interesting. I don't know if you get Newsweek but I share with the confirmation class just a few, year, few weeks ago on the front cover it looked like a picture of Adam and Eve. And the great scientific breakthrough they've just made is that now they can trace all genes in the world, all genes to one woman. Evolution is all what we taught even as a fact and not just as a theory. It is his word. 
And because Jesus stands behind every promise, we can hear him saying yes to us. If God is for me, who can be against me? Yes, that's true. Though you walk through the waters, they won't overwhelm you in the fire, you will not be burned. Yes, that's true, for the risen Christ stands behind that promise. That's God's guarantee that even as Jesus was promised to be raised hundreds of years ago, so in the resurrection, it stands behind, it guarantees every promise. I go to prepare a place for you. Yes, 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 it says in the risen Christ. All who believe in the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Yes, 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 it says in the risen Christ. It also says it in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says, he has sealed you with the Spirit that you can have a foretaste now that in all the brokenness of life and all the sufferings and difficulties, God is trying to show you that he lives within you and is giving you a preview of coming attractions, of his power and his love and his greatness. There was a cobbler in England who had a real little kind of a shack for his shop for making shoes. And one day the pastor went to visit him and he looked around this little dingy shop and it was so cramped and crowded shelves and pastor marveled the man seemed never to be depressed and was kind of whistling a merry tune. Man, he said, don't you ever get tired of this narrow life, the same thing day after day in this crowded little room? Cobbler walked over to the back door and opened it. Whenever I start feeling depressed, pastor, I just open this door. And as the door swung open, the room flooded with a new glory. Within the twinkling of an eye, the cramped little shop had been glorified by the vastness of its new relationship to the fields and the skies and the rolling sea. Just a panorama of light and life and beauty. It's kind of how it is with life in general. See, all of us are in danger of living in these closed, cramped little quarters, these closed doors of our immediate circumstances. We look at the same dark walls day after day, and the walls of our gloomy thoughts, walls which have been plastered with our insurmountable problems, our frustrations, our anxieties, and we live in this little dingy room when all the time the God of power and glory and might wants to open up the door and see the vista of eternity, the vista of eternal life when tears are washed away. There's no more pain or sorrow anymore, but he wants to have a see and experience something of it now by the power of his spirit. How different when we open that door, when we see death and suffering and pain. Paul said the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed. How different when we can link our little lives with God's great purpose. The whole panorama of his love and beauty is revealed in Jesus. How different when the fresh air and sunlight of eternity flood into the dark and dingy cubicles of our time. So where are you today? Your problem's too big. Are the walls closing in like in Poe's pit and the pendulum? This poor person, there's no wall, no doors or windows, only the walls, and in the center is a huge dark chasm. Do you feel like that today? Maybe you're even thinking of suicide. But you're in despair. Crushing out all faith and joy and hope. Today, open the door. Look out and look up. Look to him. Stand still. He has put you here not to destroy you, 
that you, like Paul, could see that our confidence is in Him, that we are to rely on Him who raises the dead, who resurrects you even now to new life and hope. Stand firm, for He can lift you up on eagle's wings to a new dawn, a new day. For Christ is risen, and the Spirit has been given as a down payment to live in us now, so that we can open our lives and not just see our walls plastered with all the problems and difficulties and live in despair, but live in Him. Even now. And so minister to the life of others with the same comfort and strength he has given us. Amen. <coughs> Lord, you know the hearts here this morning and what each one is maybe in despair about. They've given up. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a son or daughter. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a relationship with others that is never will seem to come back together. But may they not just see that, but may they see the light flooding through the open tomb and you as a risen, glorified Christ standing in the blazing light of eternity, standing in front of every promise that you can give to them now. That we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. And as they stand, Lord, seeing you there, may they sense they are being lifted up. May they sense the wind of the Spirit lifting them up now on eagles' wings to see that problem, that difficulty, that frustration, to see it as you do it, to be lifted above the mountains of difficulties and, and the jungle of things that they just can't lift them, Lord, above that by the winds of your Spirit, that they can see as you see that they can be resurrected to hope and life. They can sense your presence now, your intimacy now, your all-sufficient grace and love. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has never said yes, who has never said yes and so had the Holy Spirit come and living in a real way, may they sense the wind blowing through and opening the door of their lives this day to life that begins now and never ends. Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you found today's message by Pastor Lee to be as uplifting and as encouraging as I'm sure it was back in 1988. As always, a big thank you to Spencer Evenson and Leon Gonzalez for helping with the production and posting of these podcasts. And for my sister Shauna, who is diligent in being our webmaster. I would appreciate it if you see them or maybe drop them a text to thank them for their dedication to keep the main thing. So to close, again quoting from Pastor Lee, whatever is going on in your life right now, whatever has you feeling like there is no hope, no way out, no future, remember that's where God wants you and that we cannot know the meaning of every event, but we can know that every event is meaningful. So stand firm. Thank you.